Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Modelo, a proud sponsor of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirit. It's time for JT The Brick. JT. Woo! Hey, girls. How are you? Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Getting to know Raider Nation the way that you see them now, it's just different. JT The Brick. I think it's so important, especially for this new generation of Raider fans. Now we got something. Now we got some guys out of the tub, out of the training room, doing what they needed to do. It calms down the energy of the Raider Nation who's saying, man, a lot of guys have been missing for a while. Where are they? And now they're back. This is is what the Raiders are all about. And now, here's JT the Brew. All right, one more hour to go, man. Nice day today. Don't have a night show tonight. Going to VGK on Friday. I like the way the weekend's uh, shaping up, and this hour brought to you by the M Resort Spawn Casino. We'll be hosting the Raider pregame with Eric Allen. That's coming up this Sunday as the Raiders are in New Orleans. Let me double-check here as I have the hometown newspaper in front of me. Ooh, Damon, I forgot. That's a 10 a.m. Sunday game. Uh, JT in the third person forgot to request my room at the M, man. I got to be on the air at 8 a.m., man. I like coming down the elevator with Eric Allen. I don't like driving from deep Summerlin to deep Henderson for that game. I did not know that, and I should have known that. So the game is right here on the cover. That is 10 a.m. Sunday. Are you up for the groove of an early breakfast Raider game with the time zone change? When it's an away game, yes, because I like to wake up in the morning. I'm an early riser okay. on the weekends, early for me at least, 7 a.m., 8 a.m., you know, have okay. a little breakfast, boom, 10 o'clock, ready for Sunday. The NFL ticket's the best thing ever invented. Oh, man, that sounds like a Bloody Mary. Uh, that sounds like Eric Allen. That sounds like great food at the Raiders Tavern and Grill. If you're looking for a place to watch the game in Vegas, come to the Raiders Tavern and Grill. We will be there earlier than I expected, which means my Saturday night has to shut down earlier than expected there. So that's good news. Excited about that. Then they'll go to Jacksonville via Sarasota first. I went on that trip a few years ago, the the trip that we went on, and it was Jacksonville. But before that, we stayed up in Sarasota, which was, no, it was Miami. They played Miami, and we stayed in Sarasota for a week, and that was really cool. Uh, that was the Mark Quetcat King days. Wink, wink. That was him. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Uh, that was a cool road trip back in the day. So this is a business trip for the Raiders. It's a business trip, and they got to get two, but we can't look past one, right? That's what we're all thinking. Kind of can we all talk about that? We're thinking about you know Jim Trotter from NFL Network said six in a row. Steve Weiss yesterday on this air said five in a row. I said, whoa, you got to prove you can win two in a row before you can do that. So let's get one in New Orleans. And then the Raiders can celebrate. The team will be out in Florida practicing there, and then they'll get Jacksonville. But you got they got to prove it. They got to prove that they can consistently win, and it's got to start on this road trip. Hardcore Raider checking in in Colorado. You're on the flagship. Go ahead. Hey JT, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Thanks for calling. Hey, uh, yeah, a couple things. So uh, first thing, uh, you know, I'm a huge proponent of us. Um, figuring out a way to get a second and third round pick. You know, we got the, the Super Bowl in Vegas next year, and I really believe that uh, Ziegler and, uh, you know, McDaniels, that they can, you know, draft some, some guys that can be day one starters. So uh, if there's guys that are going to be in a contract year next year um, and we move on from them, 
uh, like now or whatever, then you know what? I don't hate it because if they're if you're not going to sign, well, up, well, let's stop there. Let's that. stop there for a second. The two guys you're okay. talking about are Cleve Farrell and Jonathan Abram. So let's assume for a second. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I like both the guys there, but let's assume they're not here next year for whatever reason. I don't know what they can get out of them. Other teams are going to know that, too. If it's a six-round pick, wouldn't you rather have Jonathan Abram on the back end of the schedule if the Raiders are making a run and, God forbid, another safety gets hurt or someone gets dinged up? you got someone there. So you got Dave Ziegler, I know, is going to be working and working the phones on all this, but there's only so much depth this team has to begin with. And the last I look, they don't have a lot of depth on defense. It's a pretty important position like linebacker and secondary. Yeah, but you're you're right. But the way I look at it is we have a three-year window under some of these contracts to make a real Super Bowl run. I hate to hit the nail on the head, but that's mm. the reality. we got the Super Bowl in Vegas. we got to make a run at the Super Bowl next year. Okay. We need day one starters. If they're not going to be here for next year, right, they're just dead weight at this point. I'm sorry. They're going to probably yeah. want more money than they're worth. So you leverage, you leverage a fourth or fifth round pick in 2024, so the following draft, and we go heavy in the second and third round this mm-hmm. year, meaning we get two picks in the second, uh, two picks in the third, you know, and uh, I think that's that's a recipe because you can, it's a lot easier to get starters that are closer to starting in the yeah. second and third round. I know we've had some failed drafts, but like we can't wait two three years to develop guys. We can, and we can't go through a full rebuild. There's a lot of guys' contracts coming up from Farrell, Abram, Foster Moreau, uh, Jacobs, uh, Perryman. There's there's a lot, and like you know, none yeah. of us want to go through a rebuild. But the reality is, we're not just one player away to go pick someone up, and we're Super Bowl bound. We're just not. I hate to say it, but, you know, I, it's, it's a harsh reality for me, you know. I've been pounding the table for weeks as far as the Saints about, um, you know, getting some motioning going. They got D.J. Turner involved, and, you know, I, I want to see some more motioning and D.J. Turner involved, Boston Moreau, and Anthony Avery. I think those are all three guys that have a lot of talent that are undervalued and can help us win the game. Wow, that's, the, work, yeah, that's a really good phone call. Wow, that's a really good phone call. Opens up a line for you. Uh, the phones work today, everybody. That came from Colorado. Thank God my radio show's on in Colorado today. <laughs> if I was living and dying in Vegas today, 702-365-9200. Now, let's, let's go over what he said. I'm not a believer that you just leverage for the Vegas Super Bowl, but that guy is. That's an interesting point. The Super Bowl's here next year. You want the Raiders in the running for the Super Bowl next year the entire year. Because the Super Bowl's here. I agree with that. But uh, Dave Ziggler doesn't think that way. He's thinking long-term, building the foundation of a team where there's already a pretty good foundation in place. With Derek Carr, Max Crosby, uh, Hunter Renfro. I think Denzel Perryman should be here a while. I don't know what the contract status will be. Waller got the bag. You look at other guys here that are good on the offensive line. I can tell you this much. Thayer Mumford and Dylan Parham are going to be two of the regulars on this. Andre James seems like he's going to keep his job. Colt Miller. So when you're looking at that, I agree with what the caller just said, hardcore Raider. You can get a lot of second and third round juice in a year where the Raiders want to pounce. And that would be next year. And that would be Dave's really first draft because he didn't have a pick to the third round. And he got a good player in Dylan Parham, right? He got a good player in the third round who's starting in the NFL and holding his own. What happens if Dave gets a first and a second and he's got three fourth-round picks and two fifth-round picks and he uses it to trade all the way up in the first round and get a superstar? How about a linebacker like Micah Parsons or a player like that? So I don't know what he's going to do. I, I, I think a guy, if you look at the Patriot way, 
you know, just take the best player available and then teach him how to be a better football player. That's what's actually going on in the building now. Also great to see some video surface of Waller running routes today at practice. So Waller looks like he's popping, he's playing well, he looks like he's good. So we'll wait to get an update on that a little bit later on. So that's where we are. Tommy White will join us. You can get through here for the next half hour, 702-365-9200. What's the top concern you have for New Orleans? I'll go first. Cam Jordan, the great defensive lineman. Edge rusher, you put him in the interior. He's a guy that can wreck Derek Carr if you don't block him. I mean, wreck him. Like, knock him out of the game. He's a beast. He's a borderline Hall of Famer. We have a borderline Hall of Famer, a guy named Chandler Jones. So let me leave this in your mind. If Cam Jordan's playing like this at this level, can we get that out of Chandler Jones? Can we get that out of him on a fast track in New Orleans, on the turf, not the grass, where he's exploding again, having a big day? Let's, let's recap this on Monday, Damon. Let's recap the play of Cam Jordan versus Chandler Jones. Is that a fair? They don't play against each other, but can, we, can you remind me to look at those stats Monday? I can remind you, but uh, I don't think you're going to like what you see in the box score. Okay, so you don't believe that we could get that out of Chandler Jones anymore? Getting a half sack against the Texans was a good start. Okay. I, it was a good start. I was calling for him, hey, this maybe this Texans game would have been the first game that he got a sack of the season, got a half sack, okay. so he's halfway there. But I still think that it's going to take that time to ramp up. But maybe he does do the things that don't show up that are not just sacks. He does get pressures. He does make secure the edge. Yes, he makes Max job a little bit the edge. easier. Yeah, well, if Kamara's bouncing outside, say he looks like he's going off tackle, then he bounces outside. Chandler Jones and Max got to do a good job of getting out of that and, and getting him to the ground. That's interesting with Cam Jordan, though. Cam Jordan's a hell of a player. So we'll get your opinion on that again. A call to action for the rest of the show is: What do you believe is the number one concern? I wouldn't say Dennis Allen to me. I don't think Dennis Allen's a great head coach, but I think Dennis Allen does one thing well, and he learned it from the mentors he's had in his career. He tries to take the best player away. And the Raiders have Darren Waller, who looks like he's going to play, Devontae Adams, and the elephant in the room is Josh Jacobs. And I think what they're going to do is try to get Josh Jacobs out of the game. I think they're going to put eight in the box. I think those linebackers are better than the Raider linebackers. I think their front is better than the Raiders other than Max. So what I think they're going to do is they're going to, Dennis Allen's going to say in his pregame speech, here's the deal. First half, load the box, key on Josh Jacobs. Look at his eyes, look at his hips. We're going to get, we're going to get him. We're going to get him. If Carr beats us, we'll adjust at halftime. And maybe Derek comes out and he throws a little bit more. All right, so a couple other things I want to talk about. There's a lot of news with the Patriots. A lot of the guys here in Vegas came from the Patriot tree. Uh, Belichick's getting bombarded today for playing two quarterbacks, Mac Jones and Zappi. And the fans there finally in Boston have something to be pissed off about. They're just upset because they think they've been lied to. They, Belichick, his quarterbacks aren't telling the media the truth. What are they going to do there? I don't know. Belichick's the king. I did a show last night on this topic. Phones were packed out of Boston, and they were all criticizing Belichick, and I was defending Belichick. I said on the record, and I'll say it here on this show, Belichick is the greatest football coach of all time. Okay, That's Vince Lombardi, Tom Landry, Don Shula, John Madden, whoever's on your list. The greatest coach of all time is Bill Belichick because he won two Super Bowls as a coordinator for the Giants with Lawrence Taylor. You don't forget that. I count Josh McDaniel's Super Bowls. He's got six. Belichick's got eight. Six is the head coach. He's getting heat now because once Josh McDaniels left, 
they didn't fill the role of Josh McDaniels with someone. They, they, you can't fill Josh's role with New England, six Super Bowls. Guy's a wizard when he's in New England. Now he's a head coach. But what they easily could have did, easily could have did is what Nick Saban does all the time. Just get Lane Kiffin or get this guy. Get someone to come in who's an offensive genius at a lower level. That would be college football. You don't think a college coach would want to work for Bill Belichick as an offensive assistant or coordinator? Nick Saban and Belichick are tied together. They pick up the phone and talk to each other all the time. They could have found someone like that. They decided Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, whoever's going to be on that staff, they're not Josh McDaniels, so now they're struggling. And the media knew this. And the media said all along that, hey, man, Josh McDaniels has gone as a head coach. Who do you got, Bill? Who are you bringing in? And Bill's like, I got this. And if you watch the last game, they got trounced by a Chicago team that really struggles. So that is a big topic today. The other two big NFL topics are the fall. I saw a good meme, the fall like a building, the fall of Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Could this be the year that no one thought of this, that both of these quarterbacks, all time, you could put two of these guys in the top five, right? Brady's one. Can't move Brady off one. Greatest quarterback of all time. I would have Montana at two and a close number two. I'm a big Montana guy. But then when you go three, four, five, six, seven, Aaron Rodgers is in that conversation because Aaron Rodgers surpassed Brett Favre. And wait till you hear the Brett Favre news. Brett Favre is sinking like the Titanic with his personal issues there. So say you have Brady number one and Aaron Rodgers currently at number six. Both of them are struggling right now this year. That affects the television product. We're not talking about, you know, the number one quarterback or top 30 of all time and top 200. It's not going to affect the game. But the television rights, the games you watch, Brady and Rodgers are playing poorly. That affects the overall brand. So Rodgers is going into Buffalo, and I think that Rodgers is going to get beat there. I won't say slaughtered because, come on, Green Bay was the number one seed last year. They're not a bad team. They're just playing poorly. I think they'll put up a fight in Buffalo. I think they maybe even cover, but Buffalo will win. And Tom Brady plays this Thursday night against Lamar Jackson. This is a big game because if Brady can't quickly turn around on a short week, he has a very good way of turning around things quicker because he's better than everybody. He can Brady can incorporate a game plan much quicker than Lamar Jackson. Just saying it. It's obvious. If Brady doesn't win this game, and Aaron Rodgers doesn't win his game. You're talking about two teams that are going to be on the outside looking into the playoffs. Playoffs? Yeah, playoffs. They're going to be in trouble. And by Sunday night, Monday morning, we could be talking about the Minnesota Vikings being four games up on Green Bay. That means that the division shut down. And, and Rodgers is just playing for a wild card at its best. So I think that's really brewing right now. It's brewing big. Uh, the Patriots, again, back to Belichick, say that Mac Jones will be the starter versus the Jets. The Jets have had a couple of injuries here, and the injuries, I think, are going to be the difference in them not making the playoffs unless they make more trades, and the Jets seem to be doing that. So there's a lot of NFL news. Also, Zeke Elliott has a knee sprain. He's uncertain if he's going to play against the Bears. They have multiple running backs. They could sit him out a week, and he'll be okay there. And then the big story of the day. Waiting for you all to pay attention to see this one. Did you hear what Russell Wilson, they are flying to London. So they're flying to London and reportedly, and this is fact that's picked up by Pro Football Talk and several other websites, that as the players were sleeping on the plane to London, 
Russell Wilson did a three-hour workout in the aisles. So I think that's pretty cool. He did a three-hour workout in the plane at 40,000 feet doing high knee raises up and down the aisle. That's the report. It's a true report. It's coming from Mike Florio and Pro Football Talk. The Broncos' long flight didn't deter Russell Wilson, who's recovering from a hamstring injury that forced him to miss last week, and he wants to play this week. Quote, I was on the plane, first two hours of the eight-hour flight. I was watching film, watching all of the cut-ups and everything else. And then for the next four hours, I was doing treatment. I was walking up and down the aisle. Everyone else was knocked out. This is coming from Russell. He's telling you the whole team is sleeping, which is him telling Mike Florio and them, I care more because everyone's asleep and I'm doing a workout here. Quote, I'm doing high knees, working my legs and everything else, making sure I'm ready to rock. That was good. Then I fell asleep for an hour. I watched film for the rest and we're good to go. This guy's losing the PR war, man. People in Denver are like, we could care less about your high knees. Let's get this thing rolling. Uh, let's run again and do all that. So that is trending now. And there's going to be a lot of memes about what's happening in that airplane and what's going on with him. Incredible. I give the guy credit. I'm a fan of Russell Wilson over the years. He's a damn good quarterback. But he picked the wrong team because those fans don't like him. They had John Elway and a guy named Peyton Manning. And this guy's dead on arrival. Big story there coming out of Denver. Tommy White from the 872 Laborers and Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. Chris has got a pretty good game. He'll be calling the Viking game coming up. And one other breaking news story, Hal Steinbrenner backs Aaron Boone to return as manager. Oh, no. Oh, cranky Yankee. My wife's going to lock me out of the house tonight. Hal Steinbrenner plans to bring back Aaron Boone as the manager of the Yankees. My, My day just became miserable. Unbelievable. We're brought to you by Grimaldi's, best pizza I ever had. Five locations in the valley. I go to Boca Park, head to Grimaldi's. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Remy Martin, the official cognac of the JT The Brick Show. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Welcome back, everybody. A blockbuster deal in the NFL. Ian Rappaport reporting. Blockbuster. The Bears are trading star pass rusher Robert Quinn to the Eagles. A major move with the NFL's best team simply reloading. Wow. The undefeated Eagles go out and get Robert Quinn, who is a beast there. So that's a big-time deal. Raiders won. I had a chance to spend some time with Tommy White from the 872 Laborers, a proud partner of our show. And, Tommy, good to see you. Good to have you on the radio. What did you see from your seats with that Josh Jacobs running game? They were hitting the holes. Those were big holes you could drive a concrete semi through, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, you know what, JT? It was, it was great to see you know the Raiders come out, win the game. Uh, Josh Jacobs did a fantastic job. Um, you know, let, I, I, what we really need to do is kind of keep this together. Let's focus on getting into the next game, and uh, hopefully they're going to keep that momentum going. It looked like they had a little bit of momentum in this last game, and, and 
uh, that's a great thing for the fans and, and uh, for everybody that's at the stadium watching those games. Yeah, Tommy, we were talking because that momentum didn't come until the fourth quarter. They were trailing after no. three, and you and I were talking about that as they stick into the running game, but it was working there, and then they explode for 21 in the fourth quarter. I think you make a good point. The mo- Not only did they win the game, but they have momentum going because the last quarter they played maybe was the best quarter of the season. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I mean, if um, – us, us, us as Raiders fans, we watch this, and it's like, you know, we, you, and I talk to a lot of fans, and it's kind of like when you see the Raiders ahead at the, very early in the game, then you, we start thinking, oh, God, here we are again. We're early in the game. We're ahead by, you know, 14 points. Next thing you know, we're behind. And uh, to see the Raiders come back in the fourth quarter was a great feeling, and we just need to keep it going now, you know, Absolutely. Uh, they got to keep the momentum going. They got to keep the momentum going. They got to keep the fans cheering. And, you know, I, I speak to a lot of Raiders fans at the stadium when I'm there. And, um, you know, we need to get our fans that attend the games, we need to get them to, you know, come in there wearing all black and mm-hmm. show everybody that comes in from out of town that's not a Raiders fan that comes out to see the opposing team. We need to show what the Raiders fans are about. And we need to bring bring some energy to that stadium um, like it was in Oakland. I agree. I've been saying that from day one. And, again, we can't control who gets off an airplane and who comes here and books three nights and goes to shows and restaurants and goes to the game. But I agree with you. It, more and more Raider fans, I think, are getting that. Tommy White joins us from the 872 Laborers. I've been dying to ask you now that I'm on the 15, when I'm coming back from the facility, the vision initially to have that big screen on the side of the stadium now because a lot of people can see it on the 15 and from the other side of the strip. What was that like when you were looking at the plans initially years ago now and you were thinking hey after we have this thing built we're also going to have this led screen that you could see at night and during the day beautifully from the 15 yeah i you know it's it's kind of funny jt early on when when we first were, were talking about putting that big screen up there uh there was a little bit of controversy over that because they were afraid that it was going to affect the driving that you know uh people that were driving by the stadium were going to get distracted and and uh, to see that screen up there now, you know, <clears throat> I think what they thought early on was that they were going to be, you know, broadcasting the game on the big screen as the game was going on while cars were go- driving by. And I think that's what caused a little controversy over that. But, you know, that, that's a fantastic view. The screen, that big screen does, does a great job. Um, and, you know, I you never know. Um, we might be doing something a little bit bigger than that. Uh, in the future, so mm-hmm. um, you know, more power too. I, I'd like to see the top. What I'd like to see is the top of the stadium lit up, uh, wow. so when you're flying over, you could actually um, see a digital screen. Tommy White, as we wrap it up. Hey, Tommy, I know you got a lot billions of dollars in projects here in town. Here. You know, I, I never say pre-COVID, post-COVID. I'm not a doctor or scientist. I don't know where we're at here, but you got a lot of people in the 872 here with a lot of jobs pending and a lot of jobs in progress. What's that responsibility like? What's it like with the construction boom here in Vegas? Do you feel like we're back, or is there more to come? No, you know, JT, I think um, over the past few weeks, I spoke to a lot of contractors, a lot of developers um, that are coming into town. And with you know with Formula One coming into town and uh, that the other the other project that Bedane is on the Oak, Oakview project at the south end of the strip, 
plus all the infrastructure, plus the MSG, plus, you know, I mean, we're looking going forward. They they have approximately like 12 to $15 billion worth of work uh, wow. that has to get done in the next three years. Um, and, and that's talking hotel projects, remodels, road work, highway jobs, uh, a couple of new couple of new uh resorts that are going to be going up um you know um filming for Tita is going to be building that, sure. that resort right there off of uh, off of um uh off of Harmon and, mm. and and um i mean that's it's you know las vegas is booming again and um that's another thing we need to do it with, with Las Vegas, is we need to keep the momentum. Yeah, that's what's incredible about your business, Tommy White. As we wrap it up, eight seventy two laborers is, you know, we're both music guys, and I love the concerts at Allegiant. I go to them at T Mobile, and now the MSG sphere and what's happened. I was just over on that side of town to see it, and it's just more and more people I talk to about this, the concerts and the competition for these major acts now with T-Mobile and especially what Mark's been able to do to get concerts over there and the team that's in charge of that and then the Sphere. I mean, it's getting to the point, Tommy, where everybody in the world is going to have to choose Vegas now if they want to see residencies and some of the big concerts again. Yeah, you know, JT, the problem with that is if, you know, like we are, we're big music fans and we're Mm -hmm. big sports fans, is you're going to have four or five different things going on in the course of a weekend. Sure. And, and you know, you're not going to be able to see it all. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, fans are going to, you know, both fans in the music industry and fans in the sports uh, industry, they're going to wind up having to come in. They're going to have to pick and choose what they, you know, uh, what they want to do. But there's always going to be something to do here uh, going forward. Did you ever think when Sammy Dean... And uh, Sinatra was sitting around back in the day. There was just a couple of venues, and they were going from the Sands, or they were going over to another property, the Dunes, that Vegas would ever get to the point where there'd be too many choices. And it's happened in our lifetime, a little bit past my lifetime. I can't believe what's going on in the city now compared to the rest of the world. Uh, Vegas has really picked up the pace over the past 20, 25 years. Um, you know, I was driving down uh, Sahara today, and I, there's an area on, on West Sahara where I always wind up in West Charleston, where I always wind up losing phone reception. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm looking at the infrastructure that's up there, and I'm thinking that's because they, their intent was to end Las Vegas here. That's why yeah. the power poles yeah. are still up in the air out there, because, um, you know, I'm talking about the, the Highline power poles. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking like nobody ever expected Vegas to be where it is today. And uh, knock on wood, we're going to keep building and we're going to keep this city a great city and keep everybody safe. And uh, looking forward to next year, you know. You got it, Tommy. Hey, you and your union and your whole, all your teammates and your members do an unbelievable job. Thanks for your partnership. I'll see you at the next home game, if not before. Thank you, buddy. See you, you soon. Tommy White, 872 Laborers, proud partner of the show. We have partners, advertisers, and they're a big one. They built the stadium on time, on budget, safely, and we appreciate Tommy's support and all the members of the union that listen to the show there. All right, so as we said goodbye, we welcome in a good friend of mine who's kind enough to join us considering he's got a big game, the Vikings this week, one of the biggest games from one of the best broadcasters. Chris Myers joins us from the NFL on Fox, NASCAR on Fox, MLB. Chris, jump on in. How are you? Big game coming up. Uh, it's good to it's good to talk to you. I'm interested to see the Vikings and maybe a resurging Cardinal team after they had success Thursday night 
and DeAndre Hopkins is back. So it, it'll be an interesting matchup uh, coming off, off their bye week. Yeah, I mean, given where Green Bay is, I, I mean, where the Rams, the 49ers, uh, obviously the, the Buccaneers, it's, it's been that kind of year. I, I, I'm thinking the top layer, again, this time last year, the Cardinals were 7-0. and Remember that? And then they faded and mm-hmm. got into the playoffs, and, and they struggled. So I, I'm thinking still that top layer. It's, it's got to be the Bills and the Eagles and Chiefs. And then, and then where do we go? You can't fault. I mean, the Giants, I, I, I saw them firsthand, and I, I mean, seeing mm-hmm. is believing. And Dan, the, the, the this is a whole new career for, for Daniel Jones and what Brian Dable ha, has done there. They're, they're for real. The Vikings are for real. The Cowboys, it's just, uh, you know, are we, are we convinced yet that these teams are in that, that upper level? And obviously we have to watch to see how it, how it, how it plays out. But Kevin O'Connell, first-year head coach like, like Brian Dable with, with the Giants, really has connected well with his team, gotten the most out of his players. The big thing with the Vikings jumps out. Yeah, you got the offense, uh, same kind of same kind of offensive stars, but the defense has 10 takeaways. They've really played a lot better this year, and, and, and that's been a, a big difference in their success, which is surprising considering all those years with Mike Zimmer as the uh, head coach, a defensive-minded head coach. Chris Myers is our guest. So take me back to the Giants and the Jaguars there. We'll get into Dayball and Jones, but Saquon Barkley. We have Josh Jacobs here in Vegas, and he's just running wild, putting up Marcus Allen-type numbers. And Saquon Barkley, great to see a healthy player come back, work his butt off through rehab, and then start dominating games. What was it like to call his game in real time with his explosive moves? Well, it it was interesting because, and you hit it, he's healthy more healthy, I think we should say. He's still actually playing with a little shoulder pain, but both he and Daniel Jones, they don't have contracts that are that are locked in, that are secured beyond beyond this year, so they're put in a position uh, of playing for their future and next big contract, but uh, he, he's the kind of guy that, that you, you pound away, you pound away, and the reason you can be patient is because you know that sooner or later, and maybe it's wearing down the defense because he doesn't wear down, and by that second half, that first half against Jacksonville, uh, negative yardage in the first few carries, and then he busted loose, but he's also excellent as a receiver. They, they split him out. They have a lot of direct snaps to him and, and Wildcat. So, uh, yes, I, I have to say that after the, you know, he saw him in his rookie year and his first few years in the league, and then he got hurt, and he had some doubts, and uh, he's impressed. I mean, just like Daniel Jones, he's answering the bell and fitting really in an offense. And they lost two linemen on their tight end during that game, the Giants, because of injury. And still, when you talk to the players, to a player, they, they really feel like they're connected to this coaching staff and that they, they put them in the best position to succeed based on their ability and what their strengths are. And look, they, they're without their top receivers, or at least they, the receivers they thought they'd have. So, so t- defenses are, are, you know, they're, they're stacking against the run, expecting Barkley. It's just he still is there at the end to get enough yardage to uh, keep moving the ball and get first downs. And that was the case against a, a feisty Jacksonville team, even though Giants were underdogs, they came through. Uh, Chris Myers joins up. The one follow-up on that is, you know, guys get fired because they don't have a quarterback in this league. That's really what it comes down to is if a coach has a team, Matt Rule, for a couple of years, you don't get the quarterback right, you try to get another one, you don't get it right, you're going to be out of the league. And I would have said this, and I'll say it even now, Brian Dayball, I don't know if he wants to hitch his wagon long-term to Daniel Jones because he just had Josh Allen. And there's a drop-off between those two. But, Chris, it's tough to find the next Josh Allen what do you think is going to happen with Daniel Jones there? I like the way he's fighting for a contract, but the Giants didn't pick up his fifth-year option. No, not yet, and it can always franchise him. And I think Dable is not, maybe was not as convinced coming in, but JT, you have to love the way that he's 
use Daniel Jones and his ability. He's throwing the ball better because he's able to run with more confidence. And they set up three to five design runs a game that really throw off a, a defense. And I go back and I, I did a lot of Josh Allen's games, or at least a couple every year as he came into the league. And Dable worked with him. And when we met with Brian Dable, he talked about that. He said, "Look, this is. I'm not comparing the two. I'm just saying that you have to look what we did there. We he had to work on his downfield throws. He had the great arm. We had to play to his strengths, meaning Josh Allen." We're trying to do that with Daniel Jones. Eventually, we added people around Josh Allen in, in Buffalo. You know, you, uh, Beasley came along, and then Stephon Diggs, and you get the tight ends. And so we hope, and, and this is what makes me think that unless when you raise the question, who are they going to find that's better than Daniel Jones, you've you've seen all these veteran quarterbacks that have changed teams. And frankly, I'm surprised that, they're, you know, whether it's Matt Ryan or Russell Wilson not doing as well. And then you get a coach who connects with somebody, in this case, or as I've done a few Seahawks games and, and been impressed with the way uh, Pete Carroll has gotten the most out of Geno Smith. So it's more the way the coach works with the quarterback, finds his strengths, gets him to bring those out, and then surrounds him with people that play to those strengths, I think, that make a successful offense. Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox and all of his other broadcast duties. So let's stay with Seattle. Two-part question. Geno Smith's performance and what you're now seeing with Russell Wilson in Denver. I mean, wow, did Seattle roll the dice and possibly get this right? And I got a lot of respect for Russell Wilson. I think he'll figure it out, and they'll get it right. He's just too good, Chris, in my opinion, to fall off so quickly. Yeah, he'll, he'll figure it out, but I don't know about this may be a lost year in terms of having the kind of success I think we all projected with the Broncos because of a new head coach. I still wonder in the back of my mind if Nathaniel Hackett, if Denver hired him thinking – Go back at the time. I know a lot has happened. Maybe we're going to get Aaron Rodgers with Hackett because there was a lot going on. He had a contract settled. Those two were very tight. Aaron Rodgers has certainly supported Hackett. That's part of the story here. Back to Russell Wilson. I think, though, his game, because it looks like he's not running as much or doesn't want to, and that has to be part of his game. We just talked about Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts. I mean, these are these are not Peyton Manning kind of guys in, in, in that day, so they have to use – their legs. Even Geno Smith has run somewhat efficiently. He's certainly not Russell Wilson, but I think the the Seahawks saw it coming. It wasn't just a money thing. It was also leadership, uh, team response, maybe belief in the player. I'm not sure where it changed and got so bad or how it changed and got so bad between Russell and the Seahawks, but there was definitely, there's definitely a a ill feeling around there with with certain players and and coaches. And so I, I think they got out of that just in time and benefited with the draft picks I didn't know, and, and maybe they weren't sure either, that, that Geno Smith was going to be as effective as, as he is. I do know they believed in Kenneth Walker when they drafted him. They thought they'd have him and Rashad Penny, and that they'd control things with the ground game and slowly improve the defense with some of those draft picks, like Tariq Woolen, uh, who is, reminds me of Richard Sherman in terms of his you know playing receiver and then transferring and being drafted in a later round and showing his, his early cover ability. Um, but but yes, that's the overall. Russell will eventually do okay in Denver, um, and the Seahawks they had to change, and I think they did it at the right time before it got too late in the game, and they got stuck with a, a quarterback who uh, they weren't comfortable with and who was aging and costing them quite a bit. All right, so Chris Myers joins us, and Chris, I got to spend the rest of our time on baseball with the work you do in studio and what you've done with the Cubs and just your baseball knowledge and being in LA with the Dodgers. 
only won one game and got beat by San Diego. What's the fallout with this as a Yankee fan? I'm devastated. They got swept and they got humiliated and embarrassed in the Bronx. The Dodgers aren't there and the Phillies come through the third wild card. I didn't see that coming. Handicap what you think is going to happen here in the World Series. Yeah, well, nobody saw this coming with the Phillies, let's be honest. I I was the uh, reporter with Joe Buck, Tim McCarver, back in 2008 when the Phillies did win the World Series when they had the rain, knocked out the surprising Tampa Bay Devil Rays. There's a little bit of history there, but the Phillies are a feel-good story in terms of just getting in and playing the way they're playing, and they can match with anybody. I, I always thought that their poor defense and shaky bullpen after Nolan Wheeler that that would keep them from advancing, but but obviously they've proved all of us wrong. You're right on the two. Because they're the Yankees and Dodgers and the expectations and the money they spend and the, the way they reach out, uh, they were an embarrassment, I think, to their franchise and fan base and, and how they could. It's one thing to go down. It's nothing to go down swinging, literally. The Yankees all year were swinging for the fences when striking out, but it didn't matter because they would end up getting enough home runs to, to outscore the other team and enough pitching. And, and and I think there's going to be there's got to be some changes over there. You hope that you bring Judge back first of all. The Dodgers, I think, and I, I don't have all the inside, but I, and I feel for Dave Roberts. People try to pin this on him. Yeah, he, look, they are so caught up in analytics and metrics and 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 all of that. But but you know what? You get down to the, the postseason. Yes, things work over the long haul of a season, but the analytics don't measure what's in somebody's heart and, 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 and their nervous system. And, and, and managers see that and feel that. Who's hot at the right time? Who's kind of uncomfortable at the wrong time? And, and those are things that I think you just don't always automatically switch those. Now, there were other factors, and you've got to give the other team credit in terms of the Padres, the way they came in and, and they had an attitude. T- got tired of getting pushed around by, by the Dodgers. But I absolutely think that's part of the bigger picture, at least from the Dodgers' side. From the Yankees' side, I think, you know, they were good. They just weren't great. We got caught up in, in their fast start, and, and then they hang on and, and win the division. Uh, but, yes, the way those two teams went down, no discredit to the other teams and those teams that are there. Uh, but, yeah, very disappointing and, and I think, frankly, uh, embarrassing in terms of uh, what, what kind of franchise standards they have set in the past. Chris, one more NFL question from a listener. How are you handling as a broadcaster, a play-by-play voice, this roughing the passer or not. You're doing these games in real time. You call a sack, a great play, quarterback goes to the ground, you got a spotter, you're trying to make a decision and a call quickly, and then all of a sudden a flag comes flying in. Has that been more challenging for you than in the past, or is this just a cycle and it's pretty much the same as every year? Yeah, no. well, I, I think you try to call it, and, and even touchdowns, you, you call it, <laughs> and you're watching not only the play yourself, and you're, but you're, you're, you're looking at the official, and if – their arms go up, and hey, the touchdown is good. Or on a, on a, on a sack, you know, usually if, if there, you can sometimes see the signal right away, he's down. Or in other words, if he's trying to throw the ball, if, it's, if he waves it incomplete or it doesn't, you assume it's a fumble. So they can be wrong with it, and they can replay it. But yes, that's you, you have to in the moment. My thing is, I'm going to call it as I see it in conjunction with with what the official is ruling. And if they don't, then I'm just going to say, well, that appears to be based on what we're seeing, because after further review, you know, they can change things. But, yes, in terms of how it relates to the quarterback, I, I you know, boy, they, they said this year they were not going to, unless it was it was flagrant, they were going to ease up on that. And, and this in, in the grasp that was, oh, you can go back to the Super Bowl Patriots-Giants when Eli got out of and threw it, you know, do you, do you blow the whistle or not? And, and the, the body weight of a defender falling on somebody, 
uh, yes, yeah, some guys overdo it, but but I, I I just think each case has to be carefully watched, and it ought to be something I think that is you know, almost automatically reviewed uh, because they're big plays in terms of the punishment for the defense giving the offense a fresh set of downs. Chris, I finished The Watcher on Netflix. A family moves into a house in a suburban neighborhood, and someone's watching them. Very, very intense. Very good on Netflix. Great cast. The cast will blow you away. Not a horror movie, just a thriller there. Anything you want to throw out that you're talking about on Instagram or any of your platforms? What are you watching? Yeah. No, you know, it's funny. I When we get in... The October is like the greatest month of the year for sports fans. So I, this is where Netflix, all the other TV movie shows take a backseat to all, catching up on all and trying to watch as much uh, of the sports world and, and film on the teams or video on the teams that we're working on, especially when you do a different team every week, right? You go from the from the Giants and Jags to the Seahawks and now the Vikings and, and Cardinals this week. But The Watcher, so that's a movie. That's not a, that's not a TV show. No, it's a series. It's a series on Netflix. It's a bunch okay, of episodes. So Yeah, as long as it's not a horror. I like thriller. A horror, you know, <laughs> Halloween once a year is, is enough for me. There's enough horror. There's enough tragedy in the world. We'll, we'll catch a break. But I'll, I'll look for that. I always appreciate you giving me pointers. And I always DVR your games when I'm working Raider games to make sure I can watch you on the way back. So have a great call on the Viking game. Really looking forward to seeing one of the biggest games of the year with one of the best teams. Thanks again for doing this, Chris. Appreciate it. All right, anytime. All right, we'll see you later. Thanks, JT. We'll see you. Thank you, Chris. Chris Myers, how about that? NFL on Fox, Lee Steinberg, Vinny Bonsignor, Tommy White. And we were talking about, yeah, The Watcher. And, Damon, when we come back, we'll talk about The House of the Dragon. I know you're big on that. I knocked that one out. Oh, my God, the stock market getting killed again. If you own a tech stock, take the rest of the year off if you own tech stocks and just go to the beach and drink Modelo like me. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Remy Martin, the official cognac of the JT The Brick Show. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Out and guides it towards center, it's Kessel. Coming ahead, Kessel closes in towards the net, he shoots, he scores! Phil Kessel, goal 400 in consecutive game 990. A breakaway for Phil Kessel, his first strike as a member of the Golden Knights. one nothing Vegas with four minutes to go in the first period. That's Dan Duva on the call. What a moment. So we have a new Ironman in hockey, which I think is the most important Ironman in all of sports. I do. Don't tell me baseball, please. Don't tell me baseball compared to hockey. The NBA's a joke. I really wanted to go on a rant about the NBA today because Charles Barkley last night went nuts on Kawhi Leonard and Shaq. He's already load managing three games into the season. NBA's got a big problem on its hand, everybody. Big problem. The product sucks. The product sucks right out of the gate. It won't during the playoffs. Playoffs, it's great, the NBA. Fantastic. The first month of the season, the NBA is unwatchable because no one plays defense, no one's in shape. Klay Thompson's not in shape. Warriors, will what, they lose by 30 last night or whatever the number was. He got thrown out of the game. Booker and him are fighting. The Warriors, who are the best team in basketball, didn't attempt to play defense in the second half. Didn't attempt. And they're the world champs. How are you watching the NBA now? Other than gambling and trying to be on the right side. It's awful. House of the Dragon. All right, Demont. I loved it. I'm, I'm a Game of Thrones guy. I knocked it out the other night. Finished it all. Good dragons, 
good dragons. Uh, I like the character. Now, everybody was freaking out that the characters grew up too fast and they changed too much, but they had to because they started 170 years behind the original Game of Thrones and they're trying to catch up. What do you think? I thought it was good, but I did have some nits to pick with the show. Okay. The the growing up, the aging, I think that it just needed to happen mm-hmm. to further the story along because if the if the show started right where we are now, it would be who are these people? You mm-hmm. wouldn't have an emotional investment with Great them. You point. wouldn't understand the backstory. If you didn't get the king slowly dying and being decrepit episode by episode, you would wonder, was he a good king? Was he a bad king? What's her connection with the father? Good point. So all of those things, I can put that aside. But the past, the season finale, you know, I love the dragon fight, but it was just some of those, some things just shouldn't have happened. Yeah, it, there was a lot of birthing scenes throughout the show, Ooh. which were a little bit too much for me, I thought. But overall, uh, they did a nice job from the end of Game of Thrones to these dragons here. I like these dragons better than the Game of Thrones dragons. I thought the fight that we saw and all that, character development, everybody's going to question that. But my son told me we got to wait two years now? Yeah, it's 2024. Really? It's one of the most expensive shows ever made. They can't just turn it around that quickly. I say it about the House of the Dragon, and I'll say it about Game of Thrones. Every episode I've ever watched, it felt like I was going to the movies. It really, They really did a good job. So what do you give it on a scale of one to five bricks? Five being the best. <laughs> what do you give the dragons? I'm giving it a four. All right. Good to know. Good to know there. Good show today. We kind of, kind of put it together. Uh, Bobby was out today. Damon jumped in. Always appreciate that. Uh, tomorrow we'll have the voice of the New Orleans Saints on, which is a very important interview because we got to know more about this team and who's going to play and who's playing and what their depth chart looks like and especially what we're going to see with the injury report. So that's going to be big tomorrow. All of our insiders who are here, I believe tomorrow we have Kevin Bollinger from Fox 5. Dan Duva, voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. So we got a fun show lined up tomorrow, and then the Raiders will be on the road to New Orleans I interview the coach tomorrow, so I'll be with the head coach, Josh McDaniels, tomorrow at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Again, thanks to Damon. Q's on deck with Deron Harmon. That's a big interview. He had the pick six, uh, put the game away. So that's coming up next. Have a great day, everyone.